Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Dead Parent Club podcast with me, Emma Jones. And me, Kat Hooker. This episode is called Five Years Later. So let us explain. So one of the producers of this podcast messaged me a few days ago to say that when her friend lost her dad and her sister, within a year of each other, her therapist said that she wasn't going to stop feeling kind of anything like the person that she was prior to their death until five or seven years later. Now, that's a quite a big amount of time for you to be like, Oh my god, I've just lost somebody. I mean, it's pretty petrifying. If somebody says that yeah. to you, you're going <sighs> five years time. For example, I was 18 when I lost my mum. So basically, mm. I would have gone, hang on, five years ago was 13. 23. I've got to wait till I'm 23, that same amount of time to feel like myself again. But kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense. And also, I'm going to say this is like a bit of a caveat. Never really get to However, we are in this episode going to talk about parts of our identity that we feel like we lost at that point when they passed away. The part, how we thought our life was going to look like five years on when we were in the middle of that grief and then how our life actually looked like five years later. Because so I think it's just, thinking about it, it's quite nice just to give you guys that listening idea of actually those depths of grief don't yeah. grab hold of your life like you think they're going to. Yeah, I also want to add a little positive clause in here before we delve deep and say, mm. I think I'm actually happier with the person I am now than the person I was before my mum died. So before we crack on, I hope this gives you some hope. Cat. How did you feel as soon as your mum died? And what were like your worst fears around that time? So I feel like one thing that I felt like I lost was like I did identify very strongly as my mother's daughter. That was like a huge part of my identity. And I think because I was like really, really close to my mum and not so close to my dad at the time, like I was like, that's Joanne's daughter. Like that's that was my person and that was me so I think just having her in my life was a huge part of my my identity and then another thing that people say a lot of is that like grief can sort of rewrite your address book so like it wasn't just my mum but it was like okay my mum's brothers and sisters their kids all of my cousins my mum's friends and it was suddenly like all of these people that were such big parts of my life it was suddenly a bit like, are they still going to be? Mm. I'm I'm not sure. Like and and then it was all the things that 
I would do with my mum and the person that I would call all the time and suddenly I think I identified as a very lonely person like identified as a person that had nobody to support them and I was out there I was on my own and I had to do it by myself and that's that is who I was now so I just suddenly I was suddenly mummy's girl had loads of family she had loads of siblings loads of family time lovely amazing all these people around me that were going to call me all the time to being okay now you're on your own this is this is you now what about you it's very similar actually I always identified as my mother uh, my mother's daughter and you know it was kind of like I was my mum's mini me I looked up to Mm. her and I just wanted to be her so it felt like that whole sense of identity that I'd created over 18 years was taken away from me immediately and I had those similar fears to you even that everything in my mum's world well does that no longer exist now is there Mm -hmm. you know is there nothing of her left here apart from you know her parents you know my grandparents and my two brothers and I had this overwhelming fear as well that um because obviously mum was a teacher at my old high school um that I would always be in the town that I came from then, oh, that's the one whose mum's died. Mm. And I was, not only did I not want to shed the identity that I'd had as being my mum's daughter, I didn't want to accept that people were going to talk and people were going to say, she's the one whose mum's died. That Mm. just plagued me. And it is, I believe, a huge driving factor um, behind why I chose to really go after my dreams because mm. I wanted to prove to everybody that no, I was not going to allow this grief to stop me from pursuing and fulfilling a life that I really wanted. Mm. Um, and, you know, that might be deeply unhealthy as a starting point um, mm. to, for it to start from there, but it has meant that I've created a happy life. Being an 18-year-old and remembering how I felt, you know, it's quite difficult to remember actually because it's quite it a long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, I would say confusion, worry, fear. I totally didn't know who I was and almost probably a chameleon adapting to Mm -hmm. just any situation I was thrown into because I was like, well, my mum's not here. So I don't know. Is this right? Is this wrong? I must, you know, do Mm -hmm. I belong in this circle of friends or them or where should I be? What should I be doing? It was all these things that I'd never really asked myself before. Literally, I think, because I was, so I was 20, so I was obviously mid-uni, wasn't I? Yeah. And, like, I'm just kind of, like, the biggest word that comes to mind for me is panic. Like, actual panic. And it's it's so strange how you don't actually realise how much of your identity you're kind of stripping off at that point. Because I think, you know, before somebody dies, you obviously know that it's going to hurt. But I, I don't think you realise just how intricate grief is and how much of an impact that person had on every single aspect of your life and I do kind of feel like you completely strip yourself of the person that you were because even going out and having fun at that point feels impossible like you shouldn't be doing it so you kind of lose that fun sense of self the carefree sense of self like all of my friends were out getting drunk doing whatever they wanted completely carefree and I was suddenly plagued with this just really dark cloud all the time that followed me around. So I think the person that I was did just completely flip. And I've talked a lot, I think, about how during that time and within that first year, like I, and probably for a few years after that, in that in-between stage, like I did really lean on like external factors to kind of build me build me up and I wasn't my own cheerleader and I needed other people to give me what my mum never didn't anymore and I think it made me a bit 
like I look back and I'm like oh I'm really sad for you because you're such a people pleaser you're so trying to fit in with everything that you're doing because you you want people to be like you're doing great you're amazing you're smashing life and you're so I became strong. something yeah you're so strong and, oh, and I was like but it, I was off. like but I'm, I'm not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am crumbling and also like just as a little side note we talk about strong as if like that's mm. a compliment no you don't have to be strong and maybe mm. we should be turning around and going it feels on the outside like you're being strong but that makes mm. me concerned that there is an undercurrent of yeah. sadness and emotion underneath you can you share that with me if you'd like to yeah instead massively. of you know championing you're so strong yeah I'm, because it I'm makes not, you feel I'm, like you can't be vulnerable exactly it's like well they're proud of me for being strong so and it yeah. reinforces that that's a positive thing and yeah. i was like you as well kat i um i chased highs i couldn't be mm -hmm. on my own i, I couldn't mm -hmm. be in my own company nope could not because i never wanted to sit with my thoughts i i used to just go out every single night i remember the girls that i lived with were, were like yeah we're going home this weekend and i'd be like what are you doing like where are you going they were like no I'm just gonna chill and i was like you're gonna chill why would you Sorry? chill yeah i was like i'm going out and i'm getting drunk every single night this weekend and then i'll come back mm -hmm. to you so totally unhealthy and like mm -hmm. not saying that that was the right thing but that was my idea of i've got to constantly be having some sort of fun because otherwise i will have to remember what's happened I actually remember I was stood in the queue for a night out once and I was like oh my god I feel ill I feel so ill I went back to the uni halls and like collapsed and I was like so before I'd done that I just was like just started ramming like biscuits in my mouth and I was like something's not right I feel like I'm gonna faint and then just mm. collapsed and they called the paramedics and they were like you've had a really bad panic attack like this oh. but it was totally I didn't know what a panic attack was yeah. so I just thought I felt honestly a bit like is this am I dying because I didn't yeah. know any of the symptoms um, and they took me to hospital and my brother came to see me and he was so upset and I felt so guilty because yeah. uh, so me and my twin brother Sam we went to the same university yeah. and he came to see me but we obviously went to uni only a few months after mum had died mm -hmm. and I felt so guilty because I wonder if that triggered you know he was coming to the hospital to see another female Aww. who he loved and yeah. he was so upset about it because they were just having me breathe into this paper bag and like I didn't know and that was me almost because I wouldn't sit with my thoughts everything bubbled up and came out physically I used to get ill a lot a very really? very very ill um like I was, I was poorly as a child as well, but I think some of that was maybe as a result of stress. But when yeah. I was at uni, I was ill. I was always ill. And again, I think it was that whole thing of, cause I just didn't talk. I was like, good time girl, let's burn the candle at both yeah. ends and just let this stress just sit with me and sit I'm a with me. I'm a party girl, I'm not a sad girl. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Whereas deep down you're like, I'm completely a sad yeah. girl right now and that is why I'm a party girl. <laughs> 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 looking looking back I was very very sad yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so bad so what did you think then obviously you were at uni at the time so everybody has all these big plans when they finish uni and all this big future what did you think life was going to look like for you at 23 honestly um I didn't know I was like mm. and I never um I, I never had high expectations for myself I never really yes. thought I'd achieve anything were you the same yeah massively yeah um, when did that change? I don't know if it has. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're smashing life. Like, can you not see that now? You must see. And I know <laughs> I, I, I'm doing a lot better than I thought that I would be. And yeah, we, we can talk about that when we get to that point. But I think at, at 20, looking to 25, I just did not see happy. No, I didn't it's, know. 
seemed unattainable. Success seemed unattainable. Having a happy family life seemed unattainable. All of it. It was what other people did. Yeah. And we were, and we were never going to be like that. And I yeah. just think I found a level of acceptance with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know. I, no, I probably do know what changed that. I think when I got into sort of closer to my mid-20s, and I got help and I started talking mm. and I realized that I'd done a lot of damage to my mental health. Mm. And I realized that I needed to unlearn a lot of the behaviors and things that I'd thought about myself throughout, not just since mum died, but in my youth. And you know, I'm biggest advocate of therapy. I think we could all do with talking, even <laughs> if you, yeah, whether you're happy or not. But yeah, I think that was when I started going, oh, actually, who says that happiness and success, whatever your definition of that may be, is for other people and not me? Why have I told myself this for a very long time that like, okay, my mum died, but why does that mean I can't mm-hmm. be happy? Please. Why does that mean, yeah, why does that mean, surely I owe it to myself to actually enjoy the life that I have. Um, but that's not an easy step to get to, is it? No, not at all. And I think I think like when I was that age, when I was like 20 and I was looking ahead at what I was going to be doing at like 25 or something, I felt this immense pressure because I'd taken a year out of uni as well. So everybody else was actually graduating at the end of that year at that point. So I saw everybody getting grad jobs. And obviously social media was, was big then. And you saw everybody posting all the highlights of their new lives and all the job offers that they'd got. And I obviously... I wasn't connected to myself. I didn't know myself. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of like running blind, panicking that I was going to let my dad down by not getting a job. And I was going to do crap in my degree. I was going to get, I'm not saying a 2-2 is crap, but I was always on par to achieve. Like throughout my whole life, I've achieved. I've always been a high achiever at school. And I, and I was like, I'm going to ruin my degree. It's going to be a waste of money. I'm not going to get a job. And I kind of, I was so panicked that I applied for this job that was not, that it was a recruiter job and that is not me, like I am not a recruiter. <laughs> but I just kind of like, I was like, okay, job done, tick. I'm going to have a job when I, when I finish uni. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's going to be proud of me. That's great. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing fine. At 25, I'll be earning X amount of money and I'll do what everybody else is doing and I will be living in Manchester in a flat and I'll be going out and having fun and I'll have the time of my life. I'll be in a, in a relationship or whatever. And I think, but non at no point did I I don't think I actually sat and thought okay like what are your values what is important to you what do you want to be able to do in your life like at no point did I sit and actually just listen to myself and that's so sad do you not think that's because like you you made a really good point there where you said you were like disconnected do you not Mm. think that's because you were almost having to relearn who you were yeah massively I think that's like what we said like the person dies you strip yourself of your identity and who you were and suddenly you're a bit like shit well who am I then if I don't identify as this person's daughter if I don't have this person to ask who I am and to help me figure that out how the freaking heck do I do it yeah <laughs> especially, when, especially when you're grieving because everyone, yeah. everything feels impossible and, and and I think I even, even at the times when I'd started getting work that I enjoyed and I was like, I kind of had a direction in my life and I was like, wow, this is actually exciting. It was still tinged with moments of pain because mm. I, I always felt, and I might be wrong, but my mum isn't here to say I am or not. Mm-hmm. I always felt that my mum might worry about me and my life and whether I would actually go on to pursue something I enjoyed and how happy I'd be and what I'd end up doing. Because as a child, I was I was a teenager, so I, I did things that teenagers do and I didn't work that hard at school. I was a bit, you know, 
I kind of just did my thing and I, yeah. and I think she worried. Um, so even though I'm happy and I love doing what I do and I started finding that path, it was, there was pain in, even in that joy, which we've spoken about before, that it's the moments yeah. where you'd love to pick up the phone and go, mum, I've got my first job on the radio and mm. hear her say, I'm so proud. Or I'd love, you know, to take her to different places, the places I've been to, you know, it's all that kind of thing that I, it, it, no matter how far along on your grief journey you are, I don't think that's ever not a thing. Yeah, I completely agree. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Looking now at, at 23 for you, what parts of where you were at that point in your life surprised you compared to what you expected it to look like? And what part do you look back on and think, oh, like I still wasn't really where I should have been at at that point? I think um, because of some of the stuff that happened post-grief that obviously I won't get mm -hmm. fully into, yeah. in a weird way, I had to like defer my grief as well. Yeah. Like it was all on hold because there was so much going on after mum died for quite a number of years. And that didn't really end until like four years after she died. But that year of 23, like five years later, I think I do remember things finally, you know, I'd signed up, I was enrolled, I was doing my master's and mm. I finally realized what it was that I wanted to do. I was pursuing something that made me happy. I was being more open with my friends. I didn't feel mm. like my life began and end with going out at the weekend and like just getting drunk and then crying in a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it was more meaningful conversations. And I realized that the friendship group that I'd had from school, um, I was able to open up to them. I didn't have to put on this front that I was always okay. I could ring them crying my eyes out if I wanted to. And even just knowing that was amazing. I always knew that, but you, I just didn't even acknowledge the grief enough to utilize mm. my friends in that way. And yeah, I'd found some direction. I was doing my master's. Obviously, I wasn't where I wanted to be, but and life was still a bit like, wow, where, where is this taking me? Where am I going to go? But I think I started to feel like more of a driver and less of a passenger. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I love that. That's, that's a really nice way of looking at it, actually. Mm. So I think now, so 25, so 25 obviously actually isn't that long ago for me. N nearly no just, uh, yeah I, I only turned 25 like nearly two years ago um so I kind of look back but I can see how much growth I've had since then so I kind of look back at 25 then I was in a job that was 
more in tune with the kind of things that I wanted to do it wasn't it wasn't like wasn't a great working environment but I'd kind of I think it, I think by the time I'd got to 25 I'd learned enough about myself to know okay what kind of makes makes me happy like right in the kind of the present moment but I was still in that sort of trap between those ages of like 23 to 25 where I was still doing things more because it, that's what was expected of me um so by 25 I think I'd, I'd moved out and I'd bought bought an apartment I kind of rushed into that but I'm, I'm glad that I did it but I was also in a, in a relationship at that point that even then I knew wasn't my forever relationship but I'd kind of fallen into it because everyone was like oh you need somebody nice and they weren't they were nice yeah. but it wasn't it didn't kind of set that spark mm. and now where I'm at an age where I'm a little bit more down the line where I can be like okay that didn't really align with the life that I want to live and the values that I have now and the person that I am now so like it's nice when I think I look back at who I was at 25 and I think god I never thought that I'd actually have a job that you know I enjoyed and was more in tune with what I wanted to do I never thought that I'd own my own place at 25 and I never pictured myself actually staying closer to home, which was the right thing for me to do at that point with my dad and stuff. And I've built like a little life for me here, which I'm really happy with. And obviously the podcast at that point as well was, you know, it's it's kind of grown and grown and I'm, I'm proud of that. So I think I look at 25 and I'm like, you know what, within those five years you've done really well. And it's even nicer now that I can look back and be like, turn 25 two years ago, in the last two years I've grown even more and I'm living like a life that's so much more aligned with what I want mm-hmm. now which is so so we said at the start I think it can take five to seven years to get back to who you were I don't think that I am back to the person that I was and I'm glad that I'm not I'm I think I don't know about you but like are there parts of you that you miss from before your mum died so weirdly the only part of myself that I miss is the part of myself that could pick up the phone and ring my mum but actually all the other parts of me I feel are an improved version Mm -hmm. I I used to be so afraid of being that girl whose mum died but now it's almost like it's a superpower and I don't mean that I would take my I'd have my mum back in a heartbeat but what I mean by that is I feel like I have empathy in a whole other level because I understand the very depths of pain and the mm-hmm. the all the different emotions that any kind of grief can evoke not just death but a loss or breakdown of a relationship with anybody or anything like that and I think as well um it's it's given me way more gratitude mm-hmm. way more understanding of how finite life is and and way more appreciation of the simple things mm-hmm. the stuff that used to bother uh, you know a young emma jones wouldn't even scratch the surface mm-hmm. now like wouldn't i just don't have that same attitude towards life I'm like I'm here I'm happy those around me are here and happy and they're happy and look life isn't always that way we're not always here and happy and healthy things go Mm -hmm. on um but I feel way more equipped to deal with those things now because I feel as though I've been through one of the worst things in the world and here I am genuinely happy and fulfilled I'm sure we'll get on to it shortly but that's one of the things I'd like you to take comfort from if you're listening to this and wondering if you'll ever get to that stage like Mm even if it feels a million miles away it isn't you will get to that stage what about you are there any parts of old cat that you miss carefree cat 
I think. Care I kind of, yeah. I, I do, that's one of the biggest things that I've struggled with growing up, I think, is seeing the people around me that are still my age that are still very carefree because they know that they've got that person to to lean on or that's going to help them if that happens and I think I had to grow up very 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 quickly the same as you did and you know I had to grow up so quickly because then like my dad was unwell straight after mum died so I became like more of a parent to him than a child so sometimes I get upset because I'm like I miss being I miss being parented <laughs> um because yeah. I don't I don't have that which makes me really sad and, and someone to wrap an arm around you and say it's gonna yeah. be okay yeah. And, and do, do you find, obviously it's quite unique in your situation because of your dad, but do you find that you fall into the trap, because I know I do this, of just being parent to people anyway? I'm so like, bad for it. Yeah, I'm so how do bad we, for it. How do we stop this? And why, why are we like this? Like, we lost a parent and then we became parents to people. Like, I mm-hmm. mother all my friends they're my age but mm. I'm like I want to mother you and well how do why Kat tell me the why guy, I need the guy, to know why the guy that I'm, that I'm uh, dating now he, he says to me like you know you can accept help and I'm like but can I yeah <laughs> I've done it I've done it by myself for so long <laughs> that's the that's the thing you are you are basically you get hand delivered independence and you don't really yeah. want it but then you get to a point where you don't know any other way so you don't yeah. want to accept help because you're like yeah. no I know I can do it on my own because I've done the worst thing on my own yeah. so uh, thanks but I'll crack on yeah exactly like, I am I, deeply unhealthy again but deeply unhealthy like it's, it's made it's made me like very very independent and I am very grateful for that because like you if anything bad happens to me in my life now I've learned the tools and the coping yeah. mechanisms that I need to get through it by myself and I can do it by myself but I think the difficulty then comes with being able to like open up and be vulnerable with people and let them be the person to help you and stuff which I think is really difficult but then it is that you know I miss I miss that that side of me and that I'm I grieve that a lot yeah. but again like you know some guests me the other day would you take your mum back and be the person that you were or that you think that you would end up being without them here. And that the that question is like, can I not just have her back and be the person that I am now? Yeah. Because I really yeah. like myself. Um because I, I literally sat there and I was like, I would be a bit of a dickhead. Like I yeah. know I know for a fact that if my mum hadn't have died, I would be a bit of a dick because I would yeah. have I would have been spoiled with like love and with life. And everything would have felt so easy. Like, obviously, my dad still would have been ill and stuff, but he's still around. Like, I I would have been spoiled with just goodness, and I think I would be mm. a cock. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> I know what you mean, because... But there's a, there's also... Do you ever think about the person you would have been? Because you yeah. naturally change as you get older. But yeah. I find myself going, who would I have been if mum was here? Would I have still been this person? I don't think I would. Mm. Like, you, you can't mm. go through grief and not change in some way. Yeah. But... But who would we have been? Because you say, like, you think you'd have been a cock. You might not have had certain aspects and elements yeah. of who you are now, but then You're there might have you. been certain elements that with natural growth just come. And I think yeah. that's one of the big things for grievers is we'll never know the answer to yeah. that. We'll never know who we would be or what we'd be doing. Mm. And it's it's difficult to find peace with that, actually. I, I think that's one of the things that I, I've questioned quite a lot. Who would I be if she mm. was here? Yeah, I question that an awful lot, and I do think, you know, obviously you take a lot from from your parent, and they you you do carry them with you, and you you are part of them. So, if they were around, you would still have that because they would be the person that you look up to. Um, mm. 
so I think you know we probably wouldn't be as bad as we think we would be but I think it's that loss of empathy that I've gained and that Mm. loss of being like okay this is how bad I felt but now I appreciate life so much more and I've built such a lovely life like you said so yeah it's interesting how much things can change. Kat, do you find that you handle reminders or triggers about your mum differently or did you five years on and now than you did initially? It's the happiest moments in my life now that trigger me the most. So when things are going really badly, I don't kind of get triggered and have a strap like, I wish my mum was here. Like, I used to do that a lot. Now it's more when things are going really well or like it's a really nice happy occasion with family and stuff. That's when I'm like, God, like I really miss her. Um, so I think, yeah, I just, I carry it, I carry it with me, and, like, you kind of hear this analogy a lot, but sometimes it is really heavy, and sometimes, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, like, a little, a little light cloud, and sometimes it's, like, a thunderstorm, um, but you do, I am very aware that my identity with myself is hinged on the fact that I am a young adult that lost a mum prematurely, and that is a part of my identity, and I've come to accept that now. And I think that's a nice thing because it means that I am the person who I am today. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I know I have certainly um, experienced what you have in that it's the happy moments, it's the joyous moments mm. that trigger, you know, missing my mum. Mm. I went back to my old high school um, last that, week. Yeah. Yeah, to, to talk to the school leavers. And mm. mum was a teacher at that high school. Obviously, I went to that high school and some of the teachers that were there now worked alongside my mum when she was there, even all those years ago. And that, and I took my best friend, Hannah, who I went to that high school with. And it was, so many things were the same. And it was such a bittersweet moment. I would say that was one of the biggest moments for me since the loss of my mum because I walked back into a place that my mum and I would go to every day together for five years. Mm. Normally we'd be late, so that's Mm. one trait that mum has passed on to me that I've not shaken off, I'm always late. Um, We would walk into that place together every day for five years and, you know, she will have made memories with those teachers that I'll never know about, I'll Mm. never know. And and it was, we walked in there and it all looked the same pretty much and it was the same faces, some of them. And I felt the elephant in the room. I felt the elephant in the room. Like everyone knows that I'm my mother's daughter and there's this thing here, we all know how we're linked in some way. And they said, I said, oh, can I use the toilet? And they said, oh, you can go and use the staff room ones upstairs. And I'd never been up there before. I'd never seen the staff room from that angle because I'd always had to knock from and run back down. There were a different stairway. I didn't know this cheeky little sneaky stairway that the teachers used to go up. So me and Hannah went up there and we were eating the chocolate crunch and we were like looking around and we're like, oh, this is where mum was Mm. every single day. And it was so bittersweet. But in... I said to Hannah when we came away, I said, that is the closest I think I've ever felt to my mum. Because oh, I, I was that. stood in a room in it where I used to be with her every day, mm. surrounded by people that knew her, addressing an assembly of children who are about to embark on their journeys and mm. their lives and they're going to come across things that are going to hurt them. And I was using my experience to t- advise them that it was going to be okay. And so everything about that, and Hannah actually said to me, you know, when you were up there, I could just picture your mum, picture oh, your mum that. at the entrance of the door, smiling at you. Mm. So it was, for me, that was one of the moments I felt closest to her. 
that's beautiful um, that's so nice mm. and I think I think life's all about those moments now like when you feel like you've lost yourself yeah. and you feel like you've lost the person that your parent wanted you to be or that you want to be for your parent I think one of the best things you can do is try and do something that makes you feel close to them mm. uh, yeah it's it's com- and- comforting it's um you might be listening to this now having recently lost somebody Mm. and i know that i get quite a few messages of people saying i've just lost my mum or i've just lost a parent like how Mm. do you do it that is the number one question Mm. i get asked how do you do it and my heart breaks when i read the message because i look at it and i remember how i felt and i go yes you feel their pain you, Mm -hmm. you know that right now they're navigating their way through a hazy blur Mm. and they probably are having to do everything that we had to do, you know, stripped of their identity, rebuilding their identity. Mm. And you don't want to say to them, it's going to be a long road, but Mm. you have to be honest, Mm because it's not like such is grief that it's never ending, but it does get better in most cases. Mm -hmm. You might also be listening to this and I completely accept that these might be emotions that you have, but you might be listening to this and feeling angry and being like, how dare you talk about how good your life can get when I um, two, three years in, maybe more, and still feeling like it's the end of the sure. world, and like you're like this is not going to be the case for me. It will, it will, like, and I think if you are if you are feeling like that, and you know it has been a few years, I can only ask you to reach out for help and to find somebody to talk to because I think that is the only real way to kind of go through those emotions, and you might even sit and look back and think okay I was dealing with that different I actually was dealing with it differently three years ago like in what ways has my life changed in those years for the better and write it out um because I think there is so much life to live and like Emma said earlier you know just your parent may have died but that shouldn't stop you from living yeah and and also just touching on what you said there Kat anger is normal so and a sadness pain it's normal to feel every emotion but if it's overwhelming you like Kat says please reach out and talk to somebody because there is help out there and it might not feel it right now but there is a good life out there for you you Mm -hmm. really are going to be able to live it there's also a huge community online of other grievers who have probably been through something similar to you um so if you want to join the dead parent club online you can find us on instagram at dead parent club podcast on twitter at dpc podcast and on facebook at dead parent club and you'll see you know from the comments underneath our posts and stuff there is a whole host of people you can reach out to and chat to and just talk about your own experiences with yeah and if you ever just want to check in and listen to fellow grievers we are always here you can there's there's multiple podcasts at the dead parent club <laughs> that you can listen to there is so cat's been working hard over the years so <laughs> there's plenty there's a back catalogue a plenty there yeah. for you but thank you so much for listening yeah. as always thank you everybody and we hope this episode provides you with some comfort today see you next time bye Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.